Hello and welcome to Whale Time, a podcast hosted by Alina Akirevich and by myself, Daniel Kaganov. Alina is in New York and I am in Brussels. Today we will host Noam Gal, who will talk to us from Tel Aviv. Noam is a curator, art historian, lecturer and writer. He teaches at the Art History Department at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He was the photography curator at the Israel Museum from 2013 to 2021. Last year, he created the exhibition The Last Photograph, Rantal after Micha Bar-Am, at the Tel Aviv Museum of Art. And in the year before, the solo exhibition of Chen Cohen, How to Die Beautiful, at CCA Tel Aviv. In 2018, he curated and published the first survey in Hebrew of modernism and photography, titled Modern Love, and based on the photo collection of the Israel Museum. Noam is currently finishing a book project on Israeli art from the last 20 years. And today we will have an open conversation with him about the juridical reform in Israel and the immense protest movements that respond to it. Thank you.
We will start today with um, a topic or a theme that uh, is happening right now. And uh, we will talk about how it is related to the arts and culture uh, in Israel at the moment. And our starting point will be the reformation, the reformation that is now taking place in Israel. Uh, these are two parallel movements, let's say. Uh, one movement is... Uh, a juridical reformation that is being uh, promoted now in Israel by um, extremist uh, parties that are now the alliances of uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And uh, this legislation is um, has few, let's say, in general, a uh, few aims. One is to weaken quite drastically the juridical system and to put the government on top of it. And uh, also there is a set of uh, religious rules that are coming up and the uh, rules that would be aimed against the uh, Palestinians specifically. And uh, as the full package comes, we also expect more and more um, legislations or legislations or tendencies that uh, will be or might go against uh, women, uh, LGBTQ, um, then uh, freedom of speech, etc. On the other hand, um, there is a series of uh, massive protests. Uh, I, I think now it's the 15th week in a row. Uh, the protests uh, are taking place in all, of, all over Israel. And their main focus is to stop the legislation. Or they, or they focus about the identity of Israel, the Israeli state. What is the identity of the Israeli state? And uh, many people that do not uh, protest normally are going to these protests. And it's a moment of uh, great uncertainty and fear as well. I think so, at least for me. And I would like to ask you, Noam, uh, where does it meet you uh, in your professional life? Uh, in your daily life um, as someone who is uh, attentive and aware to the political uh, shifts in Israel? First of all, I have to admit that um, that I, I'm, I found myself pretty much um, involved in this uh, protest movement very deeply. And kind of it took over my entire um, life, basically. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, I should say it started already um, more than three years ago. There was uh, um, on a much lower scale, but still very much uh, publicly felt or publicly, um, uh, you know, it, it reached most of the, you know, the headlines everywhere. There were, uh, there was a series of uh, week after week, we went up to Jerusalem to demonstrate against the against Prime Minister Netanyahu, he was then um, Prime Minister. It was uh, during COVID. Um, and uh, Balfour was the site. And uh, also it's the name of the street where, uh, where the official uh, residence of, uh, of, uh, of the Prime Minister in Israel, in Jerusalem. But uh, it came to be the name of the, of the demonstrations, demonstrations of, of Balfour. Um, and uh, as you said about what's happening now, um, it had kind of branches or manifestations all over Israel, uh, along the main roads and over the bridges, you know, people were uh, carrying black flags everywhere. And it was basically um, demonstrations um, against the very right of a person who is pretty much, um, uh, you know, um, convicted with crimes and uh, and uh, and corruption and going through a whole legal process uh even to be a prime minister uh, there was uh, there was something very very basic um in what many people believed the prime minister should and should not do and uh and for many people it was uh, not uh, party politics is was pretty much um you know um, a, a due process you know how how any kind of democratic regime should function with people that are not already engaged in uh, a legal process um, against them and are not blamed for corruption and and uh, and uh, and many people participated in that however this um it was, you know, around uh, several thousands um, every Saturday in Jerusalem. Uh, we thought that it is immense and very, <laughs> very effective, and it was effective, and it and it, you know, and it, and and it reached some goals. Um, and there were all sorts of clashes with the police and so on and so forth. Um, it's very, very, very different from what's from what's happening now um, for the last three months. Now, just to intersect with the question, but the black flags, what do they symbolize? What do they mean? The black flags was one of the movements who were basically against a government that is um, led by a person um, who legally cannot fully or legally cannot fill that position of a prime minister because there is a legal process against him, okay. and because um, he's um, and and because many officials around him and people in the Supreme Court, um, you know, um, approved of 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 that you know, of that uh, statement that this person um, cannot legally continue. And, 
and uh, and the black flags was just one movement of several movements who demanded uh, a change in the government, an immediate change in the government. Um, uh, what's happening now for the last three months is uh, is different, not only in scale. Uh, uh, we are talking about you know um, week after week demonstrations of uh, one hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand, two hundred. Um, one of them was already four hundred thousand people. That's a lot for people who don't know exactly the numbers and scales of Israel. It's like you know talking about I don't know almost 10% of the population in North America. Imagine 10% of the Americans going out the streets and you'll have, you know, um, entire states blocked. So, uh, so that's, that's, an, a, uh, that's a, a substantial, substantial part of Israeli population going out of the streets. Um, demonstrating against, uh, yes, Daniel, what you mentioned uh, against, uh, a full-fledged um, plan, an explicit plan of changing the entire structure of the institutions in Israel um, to make it non-democratic. Uh, the, 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 the crushing of the judiciary in Israel is only part of the plan, and uh, this new government explicitly said so. That it's only the first phase in the in the reform, um, and yes, yes. Uh, so so it's. Um, but already, what we see in in the really already after one month of of the uh, when when that reform was um, you know was there was an exclamation like a full you know. A, a, public statement about that reform and what it what's going to do um, we already see the damages this is very important to understand we already see the consequences we see economy going down we see lots of people leaving Israel we see lots of international leaders keeping you know shying away from Israelis and from Israeli government we see Israeli officials not invited anymore to uh, you know, to all sorts of kind of very important venues, and and uh, and um, you know, we see even even you know the, the the issue of 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 defense, you know, and and security in Israel going down. We already see the consequences of that. Yeah, um, it is extremely fast. It is extremely fast process. Right. Yeah, but no, I wanted to ask, how do you mean with the security and the um safety like what did you mean by that but so on two different levels um on two different levels one level is that um uh, the um yeah i think that now it would be it would it wouldn't be wrong to say that uh, the most organized protest movement that is now part of the that you know that big 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 movement against the against the reform and against Netanyahu is coming from the army is coming from the military. There is a very organized protest movement of um, 
of commanders or ex-commanders or veterans of the military, of the IDF, that are not willing to be enlisted anymore to any kind of military um, action once being called. And, uh, and, they are, and, they are, and they are explicit about this. They, they went public with it. Um, including, you know, um, including pilots, for example, that are in Israel are considered kind of, you know, the best of the best of our soldiers and so on and so forth. They, they were the first to sign on petitions against, against, uh, against the government. Um, and what is happening now is that, and, uh, and, and really the really the peak or one of the peaks, I don't know, every week there is another peak or every week there are at least seven, seven new peaks. Mm -hmm. But the peak um, of, uh, of just two weeks ago was uh, that Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, fired like that, the Minister of Defense. And, uh, and, and once you do this, especially in a country that is very much worried all the time about its borders and about, uh, its defense plans. And uh, um, I think that uh, many, many, many people felt that they are that they are insecure anymore. And at, at the very, at the very, you know, on the very personal level, they, they felt insecure and they cannot defend, they have no one to rely on in terms of defending themselves. And and therefore they just went out the streets and they felt that they enlist themselves in a new system of defending this place or in a new kind of social web that would be responsible for creating a new defense system for, for this place. And this is, this is totally, totally new for Israel. Um, and I have to say that, uh, that it's really, um, for quite a while now, it's no longer about the judiciary and about the judicial reform and about the new policies and about the new rules. It's really, um, it's really about, um, uh, yeah, um, the biggest challenge Israel had since its founding, the biggest crisis it ever had. Um, it's the first time that um, people in Israel um, on the very personal level must ask themselves who they are. It's not something that Israelis are used to do um, unless they go on some trips to Auschwitz or whatever, or I don't know, have all sorts of uh, revelations in Bar Mitzvah. But usually Israelis are like myself. We are ordinary bourgeois, privileged people who are unaware of occupying other people um, they, and they just live their life. What is happening now is I think that um, identity is put into question on a very, very basic level. And what I feel in demonstrations and uh, in what is happening on social media, which is very, very strong part of what is going on now in Israel, is that um, there is a kind of an interesting combination that every person feels um, the need to question who he is, 
and every person feels that he's not alone in that question and every person feels that that the place to ask this question is is with other people and is in is in the society of other people is in the company of other people that and 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 again i i think it's not it's not necessarily an israeli thing um that again we think of hundreds of thousands of people that every week are occupied with an action that is bigger than their own interest and their own needs they all are occupied with something that is beyond uh, their own um, survival or their own interest or their own good. Uh, they are occupied in an action that is about others or that is about a bigger system. And people don't know how to, they are very new to this behavior. People are not trained for that. The last time they did it is maybe in the military service and even there it was a command that nobody really asks whether I should do it or not. They, they just go to the army. And, uh, you know, um, so imagine this. I mean, every, at least twice a week, you see people on the streets and they go with a flag or with a sign um, they have some destination. It could be this intersection or that intersection or this highway or that highway, whatever. And, and, and they don't enjoy it. There is nothing celebratory about it. It's not fun. Um, and then they go back home and then they do it again a few days later. Um, and and yeah, and, and I don't, don't want to speak for all of them, but uh, I think that most of them are more and more aware that there is no quick result of this effort. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, uh, you cannot see the destination of this yet. Yeah. It's, it's walking to a demonstration, sometimes getting hit by a ho police horse or whatever, or and uh, and uh, and you and 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 once you're back home, you won't see a result of your effort. You will do something with your body and with your mind, and uh, and there is no effect to it. People will immediately check on the you know on the social media, on the news. How many were we? What's the numbers? Ta -ta -ta. Is there any headlines? Um, you know, uh, was. Prime Minister Netanyahu addressing this demonstration or not, but it's not, nothing of that is a result of these demonstrations. We, we, it's too early for that. It's a phase of a huge society that asks what it is and what, and, uh, and it's just a, and it's a very difficult question. <laughs> and it's going to take a long, long, long time to have some sort of answers um it's it's not going to happen soon so and i think that in that case and just to add to what alina said before um 
In that case, uh, it's the first time that people here are in the business of training themselves to be humans, to be uh, political animals, uh, active, actively human beings. It's, it's new. It's something new. In that sense, we are, getting, we are coming a little bit closer to artists, to what artists have always done. This is very interesting because I think that in the context of culture, um, I feel like Israel is putting the culture makers who live there in a dilemma of, of whether or not, what is the right thing to do, whether to leave and be culture makers in a place that is more supportive of culture, where there's more freedom of speech, because I know that the government or Netanyahu are also shutting down cultural institutes that have been active for like basically all the history of the country, of the state, I mean. Um, so there's this, I feel like people are always torn between the ease of leaving or the desire to be somewhere else that is more liberal or the sort of responsibility that comes with staying and doing things on the inside, making culture for those who can't leave or don't want to leave. And I think this is a very interesting question for you as someone who left and came back and you're a worldly person, like um, you could decide probably to be somewhere else. You're deciding to be there. You see a lot of people flee, I'm sure not only in the arts, but also in the scientist community or, you know, anyone really. So, but this is, this is kind of an inspiring moment. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Because there's also something very secular, I feel like, about what's happening now. Like the feeling I'm getting from my family is that the religiousness that used to be sort of accepted by everyone to some extent, like we, we, we play along in the religiousness, even if we're not religious, is now becoming kind of insufferable. They're like, no, we are, we are rational people. We use our minds to think and to be critical. And this is not in God's hands. Like what is going to happen is not anymore about faith and, and a God. Yeah. Um, first of all, you know, thoughts about leaving. Yes, of course. I, you know, uh, all the time. Um, as there were before. Um, and not only because a specific crisis is now taking place, but also because this is a small place. <laughs> because, because, you know, um, many things that I find interesting or that I find very, very relevant to who I am and who I want to be or how I want to evolve or whatever as a person, are more available elsewhere. Uh, so, so I guess it's, it's a matter of coming from a small place in a way. Um, 
on the other hand i have to say that um as you know in my adult life i don't think that there has ever been a period in my life where i felt i need myself to be here um more than this period uh, that uh, that this period is um it gives meaning um because i'm here and i'm not sure it could do the same if i lived elsewhere now yeah. um when i talk to my students or I, i i meet artists and you know when we talk about this because i as you can see i can hardly talk about other things but uh it's um you know we talk a lot about you know the um, the kind of i well i hate this this term the end game but you know whether there is a destination for all this or where where will it you know where will it lead us or you know uh, there is you know many people talk about constitution and the need to create a constitution for israel that that there never has been a constitution for israel um and all this and that and and uh and and a new civil contract and i i remind myself that uh um you know sometimes you know we can take as an example um the the modern modern zionism okay as a as a as an ideological movement as an ideological project it required decades and decades and decades of cultural production and creative expression and imagination um to you know to create literature and art and public discourse and and journalism and and you know and the huge body right of of um a spiritual body right um modern that, zionism that, we're talking about like a 20th century zionism just to 19th century 19th century 19th century zionism. 19th century and 20th century yes and i'm saying that you know just to think about this as a as a span span of time yeah. you know it took yeah, so yeah. much um creative energy that period of time in order to really come up with an identity that many people will would adhere to um you know that kind of new hebrew that new hebrew person the new you know the modern jew the modern jew in eretz israel and then the state of israel uh an identity that really that first of all brought so many jews here <laughs> in spite of so many considerations and difficulties and leaving their homes and etc etc and and second of all to enlist themselves to this project you know to this experiment you know to go, to go to these right to to invest themselves in social agri- in socialist agriculture and to and to create the, you know i mean and it's there was a huge project here of of building of identity building mm-hmm. um and it took decades to do this art has had major major factor in that in that project um um I, I I guess it just I know just to answer I it's it's kind of a loop answer but it's um just to be part of this seems huge <laughs> so if there is any parallelism between that period and now and 
suppose suppose that that we that we are now in the very very beginning of making new efforts to create some new identity for this place even not identity but just some sort of reference for identification with the place um it's huge to be part of this and to ask yourself okay what would be the right form and the right terminology the right color for it um, um so many things I, that i really admired just yesterday seem irrelevant now so and i can hear from the way you speak how involved you are um like spiritually and time-wise as well in this protest and i find it quite inspiring i do ask myself like can this i don't know maybe it's i don't know i mean i do ask myself all the time can this thing work if it's only concerned with the question of israel is can this thing work without putting in center the question of occupation can this like can this work like this yeah I mean, to, add, to add a challenge to that the, the, the zionist projects because the zionist project was indeed so vast and so rich and so varied uh, but i feel it turned out like of course that the contemporary zionism is something that i find it very hard to relate to yeah like even to say i mean i'm speaking for myself here but not only for myself like in a way it's a it, it is a colonialist project that had succeeded with all these cultural things but it's it's i wonder from a perspective of the last couple thousand years like isn't it another occupation of white people coming like the greek came and went the roman came and i think went. the difference was that uh i mean i think the difference that uh the modern zionism was a survival sign a survival project not all, all the way not all along i mean i think when i think before I mean, I don't want to get into too much of a, like, argument, but I think a lot of it was not uh, about survival. A lot of it was about uh, having a vision and about the movement of nationalism all over Europe in the 19th century. And um, I really wonder, I mean, I think you're asking the right question here, Danielle, in terms of like, can we even get anywhere without talking about occupation and can we even get anywhere without understanding that this whole project is basically create like the creation of everything that the the Jewish settlements have created there is sort of out of place in the um, local no just to give you like an example I mean here in Brussels there have been uh, protests as well um the, against the reformation there have been protests uh israeli protests uh against this uh, current reform uh it's quite common in other european cities as well but the thing is that in brussels there is also um a movement an organization called uh, another jewish voice and they are let's say 
declaring themselves as being a non non-Zionist uh, movement uh, organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, some protesters came to protest together with the the Israeli protests in Brussels. Mm-hmm. But they came with the um, banners against the occupation. And the organizers of the protests just told them to go away. They just told them that it's like they said something like it is putting the focus on the wrong place and it is not right in terms of like uh, the protests are in front of the EU uh, building. Um, And they just said it's like not correct in terms of... uh, um public relations or in terms of what message you want to give outside to europe and to me it's like um yeah it's a problem i find it a problem and then they literally left like three people with, with signs just left at 20 like a 20 or 30 people um demonstration wait i just want to <laughs> who told who to leave the organizers of the of the liberal uh, protest against um, the current reformation, the the regime reformation, yeah, yeah. they told the people who wanted to, to join this um, protest, but focusing on the question of the occupation. So they so they told them, sorry, you have to leave. And I see in, in the in the WhatsApp groups that it happens in more places. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I'm afraid of it, let's say. It scares me. That's something that scares me about the whole protest. So first, just to, you know, as a kind of um, word from the from the streets, if I may. So at least in, in in Tel Aviv and also in Jerusalem, um, in 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 every demonstration there is uh, there is the you know the the part or the group that yeah. uh, that carries the the flags and the banners uh, against the occupation and it's part it's part of the thing. I mean, uh, um, many people are angry with them. Many people are um, you know ignore them and and other people. Um, you know, embrace them or you know support them silently or whatever. Um, but I should say that uh, that the occupation is um, at le- is is not at the forefront of the messages of the protest and is not part of the you know it's uh, uh, it's really something that many people say. Well, we first fix what's going on around here and we first fix Israel before it's. Uh, deteriorating into a full dictatorship and then we will deal with the occupation and you know it will be kind of you know the the next step of of fixing this place um personally i believe that uh, there could not be any sort of solution or even advancement without accounting for um the palestinian israeli conflict and without accounting for um any sort of uh, change of policy uh, from the government against the Palestinians, including the Palestinians that live in Israel, of course. 
it should be mentioned that um, only recently more and more non-Jewish Arab people um, joined the protests in Israel. This is a new phase and we do see this. Um, which is also uh, very interesting. Um, but going back to the whole, uh, you know, kind of attempt to uh, think about this current movement as part of, uh, you know, a, a reconsideration of the whole Zionist project. The Zionist project is a colonial project. Uh, it has all sorts of explanations and all sorts of arguments, and we're not going to delve into it. There is, you know, and 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 there are several historical narratives for it. But uh, but at least in in the context of um, in the context of what made the 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 founding of the state of Israel possible, at least in in diplomatic terms, it's uh, it's part of. Western colonialism in the in 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 the Middle East, of course, and uh, um, and I think that um, that even for people who kind of defer the whole part of the occupation of the Palestinian people and the exclusion of Palestinian people um, from the current crisis. It won't hold uh, for long, and they will have to come to terms with the Palestinian question. It's part of the it's part of the question of who we are. What happened now that the government is so so extreme, and so crazy, and ministers are so wild in what they express, and in what they say, and in where they live, and in what they allow themselves to do take over um, illegal uh, settlements in the occupied territories against the army. Yeah. You know, there is, he's a minister that, you know, that led that takeover of an illegal settlement in the, in, you know. So I think that the gap between the government and the people in Israel is becoming wider and wider and wider. So people that, that find themselves identified with the protest will have at some point to ask themselves what they think about Palestinians. They don't have to like them, but they will have to ask themselves. It's part of, of identify oneself as a Jew today. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that in 19th century. Hmm. The 19th century, and you ask yourself whether you're a Jew or not, or whether you are going to be a mitbolel, a uh, totally secularized. A Jewish person in Europe, for instance, or and you know, and you turn, you shy away, you turn away from religion altogether. Palestinians could not, could not worry you at all. You know, it's it 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 was totally not part of your story. Uh, you weren't bothered at all by the fact that there are other people here. Now it's part of identifying yourself as a Jewish person. Yeah. So um, this is something. Uh, this is something very deep, uh, you know, kind of elemental in, in the whole identification process. This is why I think it will take a long time, a long, long, long time. Um, it's been many, many, many decades that, uh, that we didn't have to rely on Palestinians in identifying who we are. 
it's it's new to all of us i think uh, even even the even the active leftists among us uh, we could we could run a, a more or less peaceful life without it and it's not anymore the case yeah um, uh, most of the not maybe not most but so many songs and shouts uh, in Ayalon highway in the nights when we block them um, are about uh, about Palestinian um, cities and villages yeah. uh, it's um, it never happened before so so the so the the the, the whole the whole challenge of rebalancing what's happening now between the republic and religion between being secular in a democratic regime and being religious in a democratic regime um, has um, now entailed another side to it we are all in now in a triangle and it's and it's all part of the same kernel of identity that that every person has to kind of recalibrate it's very difficult how does it uh shift your identity for example or it is immediately going to a wider question of our identity uh, do you find a personal shift in your way of yes, thinking I do yeah I do very much I do um, you know when I worked at the Israel Museum um, it was uh, for me the first time I dealt with uh, the term mamlahti I have no idea what's the English word for it. Oh, it's so funny. I think uh, this question we had also the same very question when we were talking to Zohar, right? Zohar El-Makias. We had, I th- we had the same question about the uh, difficulty to translate the word mamlachti. But please continue. Yeah, it's not it like safely. Just... It's like, maybe it's more like governmental or... I think that in the way people, many people, at least in America, use the term national, it would be more parallel to how we use mamlachti in Israel. But it has to do with uh, some sort of adhering to state's policy or being one with um, a kind of leading voice of the state, let's say, or the leading structures institutions of the state it's uh, it's with the establishment it's going with the establishment right yeah. following the establishment and um, and I was a curator at the Israel Museum um, it was the first time for me to cope with that kind of challenge how am I as an individual that maybe mistakenly considers himself to be critical or self to reflective mm. um, can be mamlahti can can <laughs> work in an institution that is in a way national or um, that is um, that addresses the public in the widest sense of the word that all my exhibitions and my activities and my actions my acquisitions of artworks and You know, the artists I think about the uh, things I think that are very important to do in such a you know it's the it's the largest museum in Israel. How will it address 
everyone in Israel, all, you know, all groups, all political affiliations, all ages, genders, uh, you know, sexual orientations, I mean, everything, you know. Um, in a way, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's uh, what we call kahal rachav, like the wide audience or the large audience, in a way that I think many, for instance, North American institutions or European institutions don't even know, um, don't usually experience, it, you know, it, it's an institution that its exhibitions are visited regularly on a daily basis by religious Orthodox people, by Muslims from East Jerusalem, by um, uh, soldiers, by uh, uh, left-wing affiliated people from Tel Aviv, by, um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, by uh, by settlers from the occupied territories, by by everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How could how could I how could I serve this uh, variety of uh, notions um, honestly, you know, and and without right and uh, and there was there was and there is no censorship yet whatsoever. No one told us what to do in our exhibitions, uh, what to show. Um, there was no nudity that we had to hide behind curtains. There was no issue that we could not include in our exhibitions. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that. So how would you be, Mamlachti? How would you be? Yes, yeah, stately is a bad word. Uh, the I only mean, word I have in mind public, while you speak, it, it's it's very different from mamlachti. It's inclusive. 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 Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's not. It's not very official. Inclusive like, uh, is judgmental. There is something just institutional about this yeah. word that should go with the institution. And and this question of how how could one behave. In a, in a public institution, a national public institution, um, in a way that would be fair for yeah. most, of its, most of its visitors. Um, I'm saying this because I think something started there as a process, and now it is blooming. Now, now it is now I understand um, the benefits, the advantages of seriously dealing with the task of acknowledging other people in Israel. And, uh, and, and, and um, not losing your self-reflection and criticality, if there is such a word, or being critical, and uh, and still being committed to this very very varied public, being part of it, not against it, not in front of it, not looking aside, um, being part of it. And uh, now I feel it very very strongly. Demonstrations are very varied. So 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 many different people from different places with totally, totally opposite political affiliations with very, very different socioeconomic background with, um, yeah, 
and we stand together. Um, yeah, so, so in a way it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's an experience of being part of a people that is just different from what I was before, which was much more, um, yeah, critical and, uh, and uh, not critical, but uh, critical observer. Observing, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? Now it's, you're uh, inside. It's a privilege I don't have anymore. Mm. Do you feel like something about the way the world sees um, Israel in the light of the new government is somehow help. Like it's obviously creating a lot of difficulty because people are, like investors are withdrawing their money from the market and maybe some political leaders are not engaging anymore. And like, so of course, has a lot of negative effects on the average person. But do you feel like in a way, this face that is coming out now, the like, you know, having Smotrich as like a very <laughs> important person, having like Ben Gear as like, it's, so, it's sort of like showing a face that was hidden also under all these um you know um masks of pinkwashing like Israel's so good for gay people it's so good for the art like the Israel museum is so rich with artworks from the you know major 20th century artists um all like worldwide right like a lot of American art European art so do you do you feel a little bit like this the way the but some leader, like be it um, financial leaders or political leaders are kind of like shying away from Israel is actually creating an opportunity within to be a little more engaged and a little more like, wait a second, like maybe as a sec secular person and a culture maker, I didn't have to work so hard to like defend this um, uh, image, beforehand but now I'm kind of like whoa 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 like I really have to fight for it or I really have to prove my my place you know a state that is not ruled by people but by by very different people who I don't know if they I don't know what they think about contemporary art but I hardly I can hardly imagine them you know caring about it much well it's um I don't know if there is such a change in the in the world, you know, in the international perception of Israeli art or Israeli culture. Um, in terms of, uh, I mean, you know, we've had difficulties for quite a while in terms of the international approach to Israeli art, Israeli artists. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of it, or you experienced some of it at some point, or heard from other people. Um, you know, um, even, you know, even when not explicitly BDS actions are taking place, you could feel that there is, you know, that, that in all sorts of interactions with other institutions, you know, you could feel 
some sort of you know avoidance or you know some sort of distance or difficulty to work with you and and it has been like that for for a long while now and uh, um and i and i it's maybe it's too early to to say if there is any change in that in that you know in in that internet in, in that image in that public image of, of israel but um But I think that if before uh, I felt that, um, yes, I could work on exhibitions and with artists and with international artists and pretty much feeling, you know, kind of maybe not comfortable, but, you know, uh, yeah, confident, maybe that's the word, to do my own thing and to create those exhibitions and to make those projects and to travel projects from, you know, from museums in Israel to Paris and all the other way around. And, uh, you know, under the kind of assumption that there is the art world and there is Israeli policies and there is Israeli government and, and you know, and, and many people understand the difference and especially with institutions that don't get any kind of governmental funding. So it was kind of more, you know, it was easier to defend that kind of separation. Now I'm not interested in something that would not deal mm -hmm. uh, in one way or another with the future of this place. I know it's it may sound totally enlisted and propagandic and or whatever, but uh, but it's um, or maybe I should should put it I don't know less boldly, more gently. I feel that everything has everything I do has some sort of some sort of meaning to who we are now and what we what we choose to do for this place before it deteriorates to something that 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 will eventually um, evaporate into history and because because. Yeah. It, if things will get worse, and if they, I mean, there is maybe I sound too optimistic. If things, if things do get, you know, worse, and 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 this government do manage to, you know, to pull through this entire protest and make all those policies and make those changes, and Bankville will create his militia, and uh, and all these things. Um, it, this place is going to change forever and end forever in a way, I think. So I guess, yeah, I guess maybe I was not forming what question right, but we do understand each other. I think maybe it was easier to get through, through the like gay stuff of like, I used to be so critical of like the pink washing in Israel, this whole like presentation of come here for pride. It's the biggest pride parade in Europe. Like everybody's like, oh, celebrating like, and it's I used in to Europe. Think, oh, I think Exactly. Yeah. I used to be so critical of it and hate it so much and be like, this is such a lie. Like, if you move like 10 inches out of Tel Aviv, it's not, and whatever. And now we're all with all these conversion therapies being so pushed, you know, and with all, I, I do hear about a rise of homophobia in, um, in Israel. And now I'm kind of like, whoa, like, I do care about gay rights in Israel. Like I, I do think it's important to have some kind of conversation about it. And that is, but it is similar in a way to what you were saying with the with your curatorial practice. 
um, how does it uh, change the way you look at art if it does um or what do you I maybe think... I, will, I will think about this question a bit longer because it is not that straightforward um because sometimes I mean for me personally um the current reality of things it says or like what is happening now it is a kind of a, an inspiration for me uh, but it is not an inspiration uh, from an activist point of view and it is not a, an inspiration because I want to convey something specifically or but uh, it is just creates new images or situations that were not there before and um, when I go to let's say I don't know to see art or to to a concert or to a dance like everything because I would like to also kind of blur the separation between the art world and the other forms of art uh, because I find myself uh, in the fringes um, of what is considered art my interest I mean I'm not trying to be dogmatic about it I'm just talking about a certain uh, tendency or attraction um, and I see things and I see a lot of I don't know where I'm going with this but yeah um, and I see a lot of cultural events that uh, do not take this question as something that is important for them uh, but I am looking for something that would make me look at reality from a different point of view that, that would make me go look at reality and then go out of reality and then come back to it and to uh, so I'm not saying ah, I'm looking for topical political stuff that but I am looking for some kind of a connection um, so that for me immediately the the protests I see immediately I'm like my 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 visual senses are automatically like are on and I think about wow this this is very interesting from this point of view and this is very interesting just as an instinct and I wonder if this is something that also enters uh, your uh, mode of uh, observation or your mode of thinking or your even mode of poetics in your work I'm sure I'm sure because uh, um first of all as I said you know it, it took over my entire being so I'm constantly in this um I don't stop being part of the protest once I go into a museum um even when the art I see has at least you know it appears to appears to have nothing to do with you know with politics in general or with the actual crisis um, I'm sure it has changed the art I see and the art I and the art that moves me I don't know exactly how um, I appreciate clarity more than I used to uh, I think um, 
and 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 being communicative, uh, being um, uh, it doesn't have it doesn't have to speak politics at all. Actually, I prefer it wouldn't. But but uh, clarity or um, being not coded, not uh, not clandestine, not uh, you know being being open uh, is something I appreciate, something I enjoy, and something I. Um, I wish to support. Um, I was very, well, it's a cliche, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> I was very, very moved by uh, Vermeer's exhibition in Amsterdam. Now. I've heard it's so beautiful. I've heard it's like, to, uh, it's changes. Someone told me I was one person till I came there and another person when I came out. Something like this, yes. Um, and one of the things that really moved me there uh, was the display. The display was uh, what some people, or maybe my earlier self, would call populist, <laughs> um, or too popular, you know. The, velvet uh, draperies and it's purple and then blue and then red and everything is so dramatic and and so um <laughs> so theatrical and uh but um but i felt uh, i felt acknowledged there as a person and uh and um in yeah, you mentioned inclusive, Alina. Oh, Daniel. It was inclusive. me. In inclusive. I, I felt included there. It was, uh, it was a, a beautiful art from elsewhere and from other times. And um, it managed to uh, make the viewer part of it, in a way, in its over-dramatic environment. Yeah, it was, re it was really, it was social. Maybe what I'm trying to say is that I appreciate art that that uh, creates around it some sort of um, social awareness. It has nothing to do with participation. <laughs> what I mean, I hope I'm, I'm I hope I'm not being you know I'm not confusing me with with a with a very very different genre in art that is participatory art no i'm I've, following i'm following okay you know uh, yeah. I'm, 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 i really mean could be a painting which clarity which communicativeness which openness invites people to feel part part of something that that you know that that looms out of that canvas, and uh, this is something I, I think it is uh, is rather recent for me. Um, but I have to tell you an anecdote. Uh, just a few days ago, I went to Gymnasia Herzliya. It's a high school here in Tel Aviv, and there was a there was a wonderful um, there was a wonderful. Um, exhibition like a uh, a pop-up 
um, exhibition, they call it uh, autonomous, the biennial of autonomous art. Maybe mm -hmm. you heard about it. Yeah, I've heard it about was, it. I've uh, also been in this high school for two years in my life. Ah, okay. It was wonderful. It was really wonderful. It, it was a lot about education or with notions of education. It was, uh, I think it was a um, collaboration with the Midrasha, College of Art. And anyway, yeah. what I want to tell you is that there was, uh, there was uh, one classroom there, um, which was an entire environment created by Hannah Kobti, by a Palestinian artist, Hannah Kobti. Um, and it was uh, just a regular classroom that I guess we would recognize from our own school years. But it was all in Arabic, including all the doodles on the desks and everything on the walls. And it was not only in Arabic, it was, it was, in Arabic and part of a Palestinian school, um, teaching them about um, the other, the faraway minority of those occupied Jews somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, it was very simple. It was very clear. It was very emotive. Um, it was an environment that uh, was uh, very inviting. You know, I mean, you could, because you really wanted to just take a desk, to, to take one of those, you know, tables and sit down on one of those tables because there was all sorts of, you know, stickers and, and uh, anyway, all sorts of things, you know, writings on the wall and, uh, and maps and everything was in Arabic. I guess that if you, my Arabic is my second language, so I felt comfortable there, but, but it's, um, as you said, um, it was taking me out of reality in order to bring me back to reality. But it was um, it was open. It was clear. Mm -hmm. It was not con conceptual in a coded, hidden, and kind of super sophisticated way that is deliverable only to a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. It was fun. It was so much fun being there. I just, I didn't want to leave. Why, why? Now I want to see pictures. I, I, yeah. I will send you pictures. You know, it, you know, yeah, anyway. You know, like maps, we had maps. We had maps in school of the expansion of the Jewish people, you know, from whatever, right? From Egypt to Sinai Desert and, you know, like the stories of the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. But the maps there are the Jahiliya and, you know, the stories of the expansion of the Arab people. It's, uh, it was very moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it yeah. sounds very beautiful. Only, um, and it is, a uh, yeah, only there. Right. It's but, only there. It, I mean, I mean, uh, it is so specific. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. the yeah the first uh, hebrew speaking school in uh, yeah. in palestine and anyway yeah thank you it's beautiful indeed and thank you thank you very much thank you and i wish you much success 
Oh 